All right, welcome in, everybody. A very happy Friday. A very happy pitchers and catchers to all who celebrate. I'm Ben Kenny on Sports Radio 94 WIP and Phillies 24-7. It is on the clock, as always, with you. And I don't know, like, it's it's good to be back. It feels wonderful. Scrolling Twitter the last couple of days, we got our, our guy Howard Eskin out there grilling Thompson on the lineup. We got cleats on on dirt or on gravel. The classic sound. Got mitts popping at spring training. You know, all the cliches. We're back. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. No more just projecting. No more mindless projecting. We got people out there playing baseball in um, hideous uniforms, which is something we're going to touch on uh, later in the show. A lot to get to today. The Phillies pitchers and catchers are at spring training. That is obviously the focus. A couple MLB moves to talk about. A couple Phillies moves to talk about. Um, news on an outfielder, an injury, and then also a signing. And we'll look at the offseason as a whole. There are still three big names out there. And I don't know. I've done a lot of, I don't think the Phillies should sign them. So I'm not going to do the, okay, they should sign these guys show. But we have to monitor these guys because there are pretty significant connections between the Phillies and at least one of them um, where, I don't know, there feels like there's smoke there. We'd be foolish to discount Dave Dombrowski and this team when it comes to signing these guys, even though it's this late in the process and they're already in camp. But, yeah, that's all coming up. I wanted to start with my biggest storylines entering Philly spring training. The pitchers are there. Obviously, the rest of like guys will trickle in. We'll get more. They'll play games. A lot to unpack there. But I wanted to start the things I am looking for. The storylines that should rule the headlines entering this next couple months before the season actually starts. And at number one, not on-field related, but it's Zach Wheeler's possible extension. Matt Gelb of The Athletic said that Zach Wheeler and the Phillies have started negotiations on a potential contract extension. Wheeler said it is early in the process. Can it happen before spring ends? Hopefully it does. I love it here. We're happy here. Blah, blah, blah. Niceness, niceness. It's going to come down to the money. Surprise, surprise. Like we've talked about. Um, like the NOLA thing. I mean, in theory, they talked about an extension last year at this time. They were way apart. Like $100 million apart, they reported. And then time went on. He played the year. He went into free agency. The Phillies were able to retain him. I don't want to take that risk with Wheeler. I would be petrified that they would lose him if... He ends up actually testing the market. Now, the problem is, I mean, Aaron Nola got seven years, $172 million. And Zach Wheeler has been a far better pitcher over the last couple of years. Um, there's that. I mean, he also is 33. He's going to be 34 in May. So you're not looking at maybe the, the length of contract. But you have guys like Verlander and Scherzer that are still pitching into their early 40s and are being effective. Now, Wheeler's a power guy. Like, there's a lot there. There's a lot there of the what should the number be. But the biggest storyline is whether he's actually going to get extended. Because that is a cloud, in theory, that could hang over the team while, just like Nola's did, we wonder what happens in the future. And, yeah, it's a contract year, but more so, you're looking at replacements. You're looking at what the long-term outlook looks like. You're relying more on the young guys. Painter's not going to pitch, but uh, Mick Abel. Some of the guys in the minors, it's a big deal. And, I mean, the questions, here's here's the thing. When, when Thompson speaks with the media or Wheeler speaks with the media, 
the questions they're asked can pretty much tell you what the storyline should be entering the season. It's the most interesting stuff. So Wheeler was asked, obviously, by our very own Howard Eskin about his contract. And here's what he said. Zach, it's obvious that you have outperformed your contract. And some players want to make up for that, the outperformance of their contract. Uh, does that figure in in any way to what you possibly or your agent could possibly want from the Phillies? Um, I think, you know, you, you may want that. You may think about that. But at the same time, it's, it's a business and um, you probably should get paid what you have done or what you are uh, expected to do. However, they formulate all that. I don't know the right way to say it, but um, I don't know. I mean, you get what you get paid, what you should be paid. You want market value is what you want. Market value. There you go. All right. So there you go. Um, I mean, dissecting it. Listen, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of dressing on all this all the time when it comes to free agents and contract negotiations. And they know when it comes like you have an agent. So you yourself are not being disrespected by management in terms of the number. That's why somebody else does it to create separation. There's always dressing on it. He's always going to say, we love it here. You know, I mean, Hoskins said that the Phillies moved on. The Phillies said they love him. There's always the PR part of it is what I'm saying. The nuts and bolts of it is the guy wants market value. And again, as I said, market value is a lot more, I think, than what Aaron Nola got specifically. So will the Phillies do that? What does the length look like? I don't know. I don't know the answer to all those questions, but it's a story. He's clearly thinking about it. They are negotiating, and I I pray it gets done before the year because that's a big guy to have locked up. And, I mean, yeah, you got him on a discount the last five to six seasons. Does that mean you have to overpay him for the next three or four? I don't know. I don't know what any of that looks like, but I pray he gets extended. Because then you avoid pretty much all the trouble, again, of maybe relying too much on the youngsters, going out and and having to pay somebody else on the market too much. So that is number one. That is Zach Wheeler's extension. Uh, My number two storyline for the Phillies entering spring training is Johan Rojas. How does he play, first and foremost? How does he look, obviously? It's a young player that we all want to see progress and play a big role in the future. But, I mean, the biggest thing is, does he start at center field going into the season. And I think some of that is going to have to do with his play. Some of that's going to have to do with what moves the Phillies make or don't make. But, I mean, those things could also be related, right? Rojas comes out the first week or two weeks of spring training and can't hit or struggles to hit. I think they're more inclined to go out there and get somebody that would kind of fill his role. And, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but Brandon Marsh is hurt. He'll be ready for opening day, but... You know, he's not going to be there for spring training. He might have a longer ramp up. So you're going to need help out there already. I think Rojas's play is going to kind of dictate what the Phillies do here. And, I mean, you heard me a couple shows ago say that I don't think Rojas can be the team starting center fielder on day one. Or I wouldn't. I would value more getting 300 at-bats in the minors and having someone else out there. And then bringing him up when he's actually ready offensively. Because when I watched him play last year, electric defender, you know, great spark plug. He's not ready offensively to play a full season in the majors. We saw that in the playoffs. He was a liability. He was worse than some pitchers out there in uh, hitting in ninth. So the indication was, I mean, initially that, I mean, maybe he will start. 
They haven't made a move yet. All the talk was that it looks like he'll be the starter. And that's kind of, people just assumed that would be the case. Yet, I, I was skeptical. I looked at Rojas. I looked at the Pache part of it. Him and Pache are the same player. So why would I why would I have two guys that are liabilities on offense, that are great, you know, fast, good defensive replacements on the team? Rojas starts in center, and then Pache starts for, it's like they're the same player. So why, why do I need two of them, in essence? That's how I view it. Now, Thompson talked about this as well, and I think the answer was really interesting. Take a listen. Rob Thompson asked about Rojas entering spring training. How critical uh, to your plans is Johan Rojas in that if he would struggle uh, this spring not win a job, you seem to be really thin in the outfield. Well, again, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are free agents, so um, we'll tackle that when we get to it. But um, this kid's done a lot of work in the offseason, a lot of work in the weight room, and he's done a lot of work with um, – Kevin Long on on swing mechanics, staying back, not jumping at the ball, let the ball travel, uh, so we can see it a little bit longer and react um, efficiently. So um, right now he looks really good, and we'll see how it plays out. So there's Thompson. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do a little rewind job, some live editing. I don't have the full file in front of me, but there's one part of that answer that is significant. One part of it. Think about okay. You know, he's added muscle, he looks good, he's playing, you know, he's young, he's part of our long-term plans. What else did Thompson say in that cut? Listen back to it. Well, again, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are free agents. So There it is. There's a whole bunch of people out there that are free agents. Many kind of saw that as just a throw-in comment, and I, I, I don't know. Sorry, maybe not that interesting. I hear that, and I mean, he's telling me pretty much that they like him. Rojas, that is, but they also know that he is not ready. He's not there yet to play every game in center field. And he is accepting the fact that there's probably going to be a move that limits Rojas's playing time, which at that point, why would you have Rojas play, what, once every two days, once every three days, as compared to in the minors, play every day and get the offense right, and then come up in August and September? Like I, I'm not saying the guy's not going to help them in the postseason, but how is he going to play better to actually be a help at that point, right? Like, he, he can't be a liability, again, like he was last year. And I think the minors is the best way to foster that development. I think Thompson's answer kind of points to that. And no, everybody heard it. They're like, yeah, whatever. Obviously, they're free agents. But it's, but it's when he said it. Yes, Rojas is part of our plans, but he's accepting the fact that there's probably going to be a move. He also knows, like... He talks with Dombrowski. He's speaking from a point of at least some knowledge. All these guys are. So to throw that in there, I think that is coming off some background knowledge and speaking with Dombrowski about what the plan is. So, I mean, the trend now is that I don't think Rojas starts at center field, but that's a huge storyline entering the spring. Uh, the progression and the role of Johan Rojas big uh, added a bunch of muscle. So if you're a sicko for the best shape of their life season, there you go. Number three, and this plays into Rojas. It, it plays into what I've spoken about. Are there going to be other moves or what are the other moves, right? Brandon Marsh down for a month, down until or four to six weeks until the season starts. There's been continued buzz in the starting pitcher market with the Phillies being connected to, to Jordan Montgomery and Jim Salisbury, long time, uh, covered the Phillies for a while joined Glenn and Mike 
on WIP on Saturday and talked about both of them. Here's Jim Salisbury. So I think the Phillies are still going to do something. Long, long way of saying that. I still think they're in on – I mean, they're, I think they're more than interested bystanders on Jordan Montgomery, uh, depending on where his market goes. And um, with, I, they've been looking for outfielder uh, versatility, bench steps, whatever you want to call it, um, for a while. And there's a bunch of those guys. And I really expect them to, to bring in another position guy, right-handed bat type that, that can help maybe all over the diamond maybe in left field, and I think the surgery with Marsh, though not serious, maybe um, heightens that need. All right, there's Jim Salisbury. And, I I mean, read the tea leaves. I'll continue to throw these little indicators and these minor tea leaves at you here. Obviously, more than innocent bystanders, they're active on Montgomery. That's significant. That's very significant because he's still unsigned. And, I mean, that could be an indication that his price could drop We've seen Dabrowski in the past with Castellanos and others. If the market totally falls apart, like we talked about a couple months ago or a month ago, I've lost track of time. But if that happens, then you could totally see the Phillies pouncing. He's a good pitcher. He would help. You can never have too much pitching. You pretty much build a super rotation with Nola Wheeler, you know, Ranger, Montgomery, Walker, Sanchez. Like That's stellar. And the guy's a postseason record. Out of all the three, out of Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery, way more inclined to sign Montgomery. I think he would fit. I I think that would be the most beneficial move. So sign me up for that. I'm good. I don't think they need it, but I think I I would be lying if I told you it wouldn't help the team. The bigger part there is that the second half, he goes, yeah, they're they're also looking for a right-handed outfield bat. So, you know, Thompson speaks, still free agents available. Rojas probably, you know, we'll see. Salisbury says, active on said bat. Everybody with common sense and a brain sees this happening and says, yeah, you know, the one place the team could improve is a bench right-handed bat that could play the outfield. And maybe that bench, quote-unquote, turns into more of an active starting role if Rojas isn't with the team. Marsh goes to center, Whit Merrifield. Maybe that's the guy. But you see what I mean. There are these little T-crumbs all pointing in the same direction. I think they're going to make a move, and it's going to be in the outfield, and I would love for them to sign Montgomery. But that's a huge storyline is what other moves are coming because it the offseason has been Aaron Nola, and that's it. I can name you a bunch of other guys they, they picked off the scrap heap, but that's not nearly as interesting as signing a big free agent, and it's most of the time not as impactful. So are they going to make a move? I, I would say yes. I think they will, but what is it? Right? There's that. There's the closer part of it. I mean, I don't think a trade for Emmanuel Clase or Classe or however you say his name. I don't think it's realistic, but I would love to see that. There's some buzz about them trading for Kenley Jansen, who I think is cooked. I'm I'm good on that one. But you see, there's still this activity. So what moves are coming? What moves do we see before now and the end of free agency or of a uh, spring training? Excuse me. That's number three. Number four, biggest storyline entering spring training for the Phillies. Biggest prospects to watch. I mean, uh, a very, it's an interesting spring in that there's no painter who would be, he would automatically be the guy to have the biggest impact on the team, given he's the top pitching prospect. He was the closest to the majors last year. He would have been on the team had he not gotten hurt, but, but he did get hurt. And that's the reality. And he's not pitching this year. So, 
it's a different spring in that he's not out there, and he's normally the guy that you would have your eyes on as as the season goes along, he comes up, or the playoffs come, he's your weapon, you know, long relief, specialty situation. Maybe he starts the game, but he's not there. So aside from that, um, you have Aiden Miller, young third baseman, who I'm excited to watch and excited to watch develop. I think he's years away. I'm not as super into the the prospects and how close they are and how they're playing as others are. And I know like maybe you should, but it's the same way in, in college football recruiting. I love college football, but I follow recruiting enough to know who's good at it and what classes are good so that, you know, when a coach is doing this, I know, oh, he is the 10th ranked recruiting class. He's doing a great job. I know enough to know the Phillies farm system is a lot stronger than it was five years ago. And Dabrowski hasn't traded prospects, and they're actually well-positioned to have a lot of guys, good guys, come up. I'm not going to tell you a lot about Gabriel Rincones, right? I'm not going to tell you that much about Justin Crawford, aside from that he's Carl Crawford's son. When they get up to the bigs, I watch them, we talk about them, but the whole minor league thing, I'm not, I, I'm good. I'm not as in on it as other people are. That said, there are a lot of people I trust in that space, I mean, Painter's obviously highly touted. Miller's the other guy everybody's excited to watch. So you have that. Um, I, I mean, the pitching thing is the most interesting part. There's Griff McGarry. He's a top 10 prospect in the system. He's in AAA. The reports are he has great stuff. Major league type arm. But he has control issues, which often is the case with young pitchers that have a great arm. He should help the team this year. Think back to all of the guys we see called up or joining the team, there are, I mean, I, I'm not going to do the numbers, but there are numerous in a season that you need to get through the season, let alone to be effective. There are going to be minor league pitchers that come up to help the team. So I think McGarry's going to be one of them. I think he should help the team. I'm interested to watch him pitch. This is what spring training is for, in essence. We, we find the young guys that we're going to rely on later in the season when we need them. Chris Sanchez somehow became that guy last year, but that's the... That's the realm I'm, I'm speaking in. Um, so there's McGarry. There's Mick Abel, number two prospect in the system. Again, same, great arm, needs control work, whatever. Like, I go to the scouting report. But he also should help the rotation this year or should come up and pitch out of the pen. So McGarry and Abel are the two top guys. I'm happy they haven't been traded. Those are the names that get floated out for big trades. They're still here, which is good. And then the final one, who we know is going to have a big impact, is Orion Kirkering. What does he look like? Because he's still a prospect. The guy's only pitched for, what, two months in the majors? He was great until he ran out of gas against the Diamondbacks. Given the lack of bullpen moves and how they speak about him, I mean, he is a he's going to be not the closer, but he's going to have a huge role in the bullpen this year. So does he look better than last year? How does his stuff work when it's adjusted to? Right, because it's all just slider, slider, slider. And then he goes 100. I feel like there's some game planning that could go back and forth with what works. So those three guys I'm excited to watch. And then the Aiden Miller, Justin Cross, like whoever whoever else is there. Um, so that's number four. Number five, fifth biggest storyline entering Philly Spring Training, the fans' anger. And I say this... Um, I don't know how to perfectly craft this, but I guess this is kind of an introspective. Like, you're out there. Think about how you compare 
to these people or where you stand on this. Because I saw John Clark tweeted, quote, uh, and this is from Rob Thompson's press conference, quote, they are motivated. We've had two years of tasting it. Um, you know what? Actually, as I've been taught, I'm going to play you the audio. John Clark tweeted this quote from Rob Thompson. I just think we're very talented. I think these guys are motivated. They've had two years of, of tasting it, and now they want to they want to take a chunk out of it and swallow it, you know, and eat it. Uh, first of all, pause. Funny quote. I, I, I'm in on that. Whatever that is, I'm in. But, oh, my God, you the, the responses to this tweet. And maybe it's on Twitter, which is just a, you know, highly negative cesspool of anger. But, oh, my God, you go to the replies. Oh, you cost them the season. You choked. You guys are losers. Why would I buy in? All this crap. Because the guy was asked about continuity or, or the state of the team entering the year, and he was like, yeah, we've had two years of getting close, and you know, they're, we said it in a great way and funny way. And I don't know that people are offended by it, but they're like, oh, don't give me that. You're the one who cost them. Because they look at Thompson for Alvarado two years ago. They look at Thompson for Kimbrell last year. Obviously forgetting the context of the situations and why they were there and the fact Thompson is a top three to five manager in the sport, if not number one, I'll, I'll argue number one when they win a World Series, but all, the, all, all this anger, I feel like the fans, at least somewhat, are on the edge after the collapse against Arizona and then not really, no real moves during the offseason because signing NOLA, it's like, okay, if they let NOLA walk and sign Snell, then everybody's like, oh, this new, brand new sparkling pitcher who's kind of a D-bag, but he won Cy Young. Bringing Nola back to everybody is like, oh, you just re-sign Nola. Nola's a better pitcher, so it's a smarter move, but you see what I mean. The perception of it is very different from the outside. I think fans are on edge going into this spring training, and this is why I bring it up. Um, another move would obviously help, but going into this season, what does the fan sentiment look like? Because I'm pumped, I'm excited. Like This team means a lot to me. I, I think they're going to be really good. This could be a special year. But people are jaded from the playoff losses and expect it just to go perfectly. So, I mean, we'll see. And then there's the whole Schwarber leading off thing, which you know it's going to be a discussion. I can't wait to have it. It's my favorite argument that we have. But that's a thing, too. And I, I just don't know where fans are with this team. So that's another big storyline entering the spring. All right, I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. We will we'll step away. When we come back, some other stuff on the Phillies that I wanted to touch on. We'll, we'll go in depth on Marsh. We'll talk about their signing of Spencer Turnbull. And then I, I got to touch on these jerseys, which are just an utter embarrassment, complete embarrassment. So there's that. I also just, this just came across the feed. John Heyman of uh, a lot of things, notably uh, the New York Post and MLB Network, does his whole Bleacher Report stream. And he said something about the Phillies and maybe what they have cooking in the free agent market. So I'll play that for you as well. Talk about the offseason. All that's coming up. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back, Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. Uh, Phillies 24-7. 94 WIP on Twitter. I am at Ben Z Kenny. Uh, leave a review and 
all the good things that, you know, all the podcast stuff. So we're talking Philly spring training, and there have been some other things to drop recently. We'll get to this Heyman audio in, in a second, but I wanted to talk about Brandon Marsh because this news comes out late last week. Brandon Marsh gets surgery on his knee. He'll be out three to four weeks. He'll be ready for opening day, reportedly. And he talked about it, you know, the rehab's going well and all that. It's unexpected. They said it happens working out or something along those lines. I don't know. I I see this happen. And number one, it's an indication that things never go perfectly, right? You, you can't just enter a season and look at your starting nine and starting five in the rotation and starting bullpen. Like in football, you're starting 11 on each side and expect that to be the group that is there at the end of the year. It never goes perfectly. So luckily, this Marsh bit is not going to really hinder them. He's back for opening day. But it kind of points to, like, you, you can't just rely on it all working well and working perfectly, which I actually will get to in a second with um, something Rob Thompson said to, uh, to Howard as well uh, today down at Clearwater. But this plays into the concept I was going by most of the offseason, where if you gave me the option to make a big move today or make that same move at the deadline, I would choose the deadline 100% because I would have a much better understanding of what I needed. If the team doesn't have any holes and you're just trying to get to the deadline and then say, I don't know, God forbid starting pitcher goes down, you know you need a pitcher. But if it happens today and you sign Bellinger, who, whether he plays well or not, and then you have Nola go down. This is obviously example. That's the worst case scenario. Because then you're at the deadline still needing a pitcher. And you're still in the same issue. So that's why in this Mars thing is a minor thing. But again, I think it kind of signals that these things just happen. And you have to go with the understanding that things will change. So depth is important. That's why assigning in the outfield feels paramount. You need more depth out there. You need more production. But also... It's why you have to be flexible with what injuries and whatever happens. And luckily, this, again, is not major. So that's what that was my takeaway from the Marsh thing. I mean, hopefully, I, I think he's going to underwhelm a bit this year, to be honest. Like, if I had to choose three Phillies that I think might, might go a little under expectations, Romito's an easy one. I think Father Time's going to catch up soon. Stott, I think, is one. Really high, like I, you know, I'm not all the way into the numbers, but the guy feels, it feels a little bit unsustainable with him, like the 300 hitting. I think he's a really good player and a really good defender, but he might be more of like a 265, 280, 270 guy instead of hitting 300. And then I would also pick Marsh. The Marsh numbers have been startling since coming over. Compare his Angels numbers to those in Philly. It's like night and day. And I know he made changes, but I, I can't fully expect the guy to maintain the crazy numbers, even off lefties that he's had so far. So that's the Marsh bit. The other news is the Phillies signed Spencer Turnbull, former starter with the Detroit Tigers. He was really good in 2021. And then he got Tommy John surgery that year, like after 10 or 11 starts. He was at all of 2022, and he sucked last year. Like 7-5 ERA, 7-8, like terrible. Terrible, terrible. It feels like, to me, a Dylan Covey-adjacent type move. Dylan Covey was picked up very unheralded, and I'm not going to tell you he's good. I think a lot of fans hate the guy, 
And, and obviously, the Memorial Day start down in Atlanta was an abject failure. But down the stretch of the year, the guy gave you pretty good innings. Like he was, he is a valuable piece of the pitching staff. And I know it's not fun to watch Dylan Covey out there. I think he's getting a little bit better. But also, you need guys like that. And, and it's not just innings eaters. But when your starter fails and you need three long innings out of the bullpen, you turn to Dylan Covey. There's value there. Double headers, someone like that. That's what I kind of think Turnbull is. I hope that he could somehow be brought back to 2021 form. I think it's really unlikely. But it feels like a Covey-adjacent move. Build out depth in the rotation. It's kind. Of, I mean, it's a no risk, obviously. The guy was, they got him for free. But it's a no risk, and the reward is getting somebody that can give you innings and get outs. And that is kind of overlooked when it comes to how the team gets better. But I like moves like this. I do. I like reclamation projects. I like building depth this way. So I'm in on the move. I, I love it. So that's the, th- those are the big transactions to discuss. The other one is, and again, I, I have said on the show a couple of things that I am, you know, kind of out on generally. I don't do a lot of the, let's go back to 2015 and name every Philly. I was watching. I love the team then, but I try to forget it kind of. When the Phillies signed or re-signed David Buchanan, 34-year-old, had been in Japan or uh, Korea, excuse me, playing in Korea for the last couple of years. He was on the team, I think, Nola's rookie year. Now the guy's suddenly the oldest player on the team. It's a fun story. I think he stinks, so I'm not going to, you know, make a big deal of the signing. A lot of people loved it because, you know, oh, look, it's Nola and Buchanan, just like 2015. I, I'm good on all that. They they can do that. I'm good. I'm good. So one of the I, I one thing I'm good on, speaking of, and something that is a total disgrace, these jerseys that they have the Phillies and every team in. Apparently this is all fanatics. So fanatics have somehow they've taken the normal nameplate. I'm looking at Ranger Suarez's jersey. And you have Suarez in pretty thick red lettering. On a uh, this is on the the road gray uniforms and even on the home ones it's kind of thick it's prominent. The new ones are like oh my gosh they made it the thinnest font ever. It's like you're wearing a, a youth extra large and playing a game in it that was made by some off brand overseas website. It's horrible. It's horrible. And some people have gone through why they've gotten to this point and better than them better than me to explain it. I just like. That's pretty embarrassing. For It's not like the jerseys you're giving fans. Well, it is the jerseys you're also giving fans. But more so, it's the guys you're... The ones your players are wearing, and they look that bad. Like, Nola's look... Uh, they all look horrible. But especially Nola. I saw Rangers. Uh, I know that some of the Cardinals players are really unhappy about it. So this is something that uh, we will monitor as the season comes along. And when everybody watches them on opening day or the first spring training game and notices it, I mean, recognize it because it's an it's an atrocity what they've done to these jerseys. So that's that. I wanted to play this for you before we move on to some of the uh, Major League Baseball wide moves. So there's a discussion that's had about whether the Phillies got better. And this is an offseason wide discussion. We're going to grade the offseason in a couple days. I'm going to record it on Monday. That'll be next week's show. We'll grade the offseason, even though it's kind of. Um, still happening. Oh, I, I almost forgot. 
Apologies. Before we get to the Thompson bit, John Heyman, just now on his Bleacher Report stream on where the Phillies stand with free agents. Any news on Montgomery and the Phillies? Uh, at this moment, uh, I am not hearing anything concrete on Montgomery and the Phillies. Some people out there, and again, this is coming from another team, think the Phillies are close to tapped out. Now, of course, they have owner John Middleton, who has done better in free agency than anybody between Harper and Wheeler and Castellanos, Schwarber, all the others. So I'm never going to count the Phillies out of anything. I'm not going to say he's a guy like Peter Seidler who do anything to win, but certainly John Middleton has prioritized winning, and let's not be shocked if they do do a big move. They brought back Aaron Nolo already, so some people have their pitching rotation ranked near the top anyway, and I think that's fair. So do they need Montgomery as much as some others? I'm not sure that they do, but I think the, the fact that Middleton is there, we're not going to rule anything out. All right, not that much there. He does kind of pour water on the big deal being imminent part of it and more so contributes all of it to Dombrowski's status and Middleton's ability to spend money. I mean, they're giving, they're offering 300 plus to Yamamoto. Money's not the issue. It's about what is the smart move. So he kind of pours water there, but I, th- I think there's, there's juice. I think there's momentum. I would not be surprised if when we talk next week, Jordan Montgomery's a Philly and so is Whit Merrifield, or so is a, a right-handed hitting outfielder. But speaking of that, in terms of getting better, because that's what that's the buzzword. Oh, the Phillies didn't get any better. You lose lose the Diamondbacks, you didn't get any better. People need their flashy off-season moves, which I totally, totally disagree with. Totally disagree with. So, naturally, our very own Howard Eskin proposed this question perfectly, because that's what he does. Asked this to Rob Thompson, and I I love the answer. Take a listen to this. Rob, uh, the geniuses on WIP didn't think this team, I was just speaking to them, got better this year. Tell me why you think this team is better this year than last year. Well, we're going to have JT, Trey, and Schwarber get through a regular spring training. So I'm expecting them to all get off to a better start. Um, I think the kids will get a little bit better. Uh, we'll have Harper, hopefully, for a full year. Um, we'll have Ranger Suarez, hopefully, at the start of the year. We'll have Taiwan Walker not going to WBC, so he'll get his regular work in spring training. So just there, I think um, we're going to be better. And you think Trey Turner, obviously, will have a full year and a better year be- from what he had last year? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, <laughs> He comes here, he's here for about five days, and then he's got to go. And so he doesn't really get to know anybody. And um, so he's, he'll be a little more comfortable. He understands who everybody is and what we're all about. Um, same thing with, with Greg Soto. You know, he had the visa issue at the start of the spring last year, so he was kind of slow getting in. Um, now he's comfortable with everybody. He knows who everybody is. So I think we're, I think we're in a really good spot. Oh, the, the genius is on WIP. It's a classic opening thought. Um, I, I have to run that again. Rob, uh, the geniuses on WIP did. Thank you, Howard. Um, I mean, he's, he's referring to the midday show, which he was on before, who did the topic today. And, I mean, number one, Thompson clearly hates the World Baseball Classic, and it was clearly detrimental to the team. But more than anything, you just asked the manager, you guys didn't get better, what do you say to that? Or what is your response to that? 
and everything he says he's right about. Thompson is 100% right. Completely correct. They are naturally better just with the context of everything that's gone on. Right? We talked two years ago. Why do they start slow? Well, Girardi was an idiot paired with a tough schedule. And, you know, then Thompson comes in and they hit the ground running. Last year. Well, why do they start slow? There's actually a reason why. The World Baseball Classic screwed up a bunch of the pitchers coming in. They didn't have a full spring training. Harper wasn't himself or wasn't even playing at that point. They entered the year so shorthanded. And Hoskins gets hurt. This year, it's all good. Now, could there be an injury in spring training? God forbid, obviously. But when you say, oh, yeah, they didn't get better because they didn't add some free agent that you're looking for. It's the same thing with Snell. It's the same thing. Had they just signed Snell and let Nola walk, everybody says, oh, look, they improved. They added this, this dork that won Cy Young in the American League. When in reality, I mean, he's a really good pitcher. But Nola's better, and he means more to the team, and he's more valuable. So it's a better move to have re-signed Nola, but it's not, quote-unquote, getting better. This narrative everyone's running with that I completely disagree with. So entering the season, they are better with context. Now, I, I think Howard likes Rob Thompson. And uh, we're going to talk about Thompson's going on his show on Saturday. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, first of all, Howard's perfect lineup, which is perfect. And then the response to it. We're going to start a bit on the show where every time Howard asks Thompson about the lineup, we're going to play the response. And I already have one, so we're going to start that segment going um, next week. But Howard just put this on a platter for Thompson, straight up. He said, okay, these people are saying this, and I myself think they're wrong, but why are they wrong? You were serving somebody literally the perfect question and the perfect thing on a platter for him to not put it on a tee for him to knock it out of the park. And that's what he did. It's an easy answer. They're a better team because of the context of everything that went on last year. So I hate the narrative that they're not better. I despise it. It's not a reason why they have to make a move because they are better. And Thompson, number one, the World Baseball Classic killed them last year. But the guy's right. Like, listen to him talking. The guy's right. But this is the same thing with whether fans are not happy. It's like they hear that and they go, yeah, but you still blew it. Yeah, but why'd you go to Kimbrell? It's just so reductive and stupid. Some of the talk around this team. They're really good. Their manager is one of the best in baseball. He's a likable. You want to compare him to some of the complete D-bags that are running baseball teams? Like Buck Showalter. You want to compare those two guys? A lot of managers, frankly, these days, I kind of like. Like, I, I like Dusty Baker. I like... Alex Cora to a degree. I like Bruce Bochy, but I mean, Tony LaRusso is an a-hole. You want him managing the team because he has this genius thing to, to bat your pitcher eighth and put some scrub hitting ninth. Like, give me a break. People hate Thompson because they just watch in the playoffs and they see maybe one pitching mistake. That was part of the reason they lost, but was not the reason, which is a big distinction. And now they just hate everything the guy says. He's correct. When he says that. So what I would say, and if you're this far on the podcast, then I guess you're okay with this messaging. I would tell everybody to grow up, grow up and understand that this guy is one of the best managers in the game. He is. And the Phillies lucked into him and they're in a great spot. So grow up and stop complaining about a pitching move from last year. That's what I'll say. 
All right. Uh, I'm Ben Kenny. On that note, it's on the clock. We come back. We'll talk some uh, baseball free agent moves. The big guys that are left. One notable signing. All of that coming up next to Don't Go Anywhere. All right. We're back. Ben Kenny uh, on the clock. Closing it out here uh, or almost closing it out, I guess. Free agent moves. Uh, believe it or not, there are still guys getting signed. There are definitely still guys on the market. That is obvious because, you know, baseball has a way of not really dominating their offseason. So there are still big names that haven't landed. But notable signing, the only one, is Jorge Soler, signed with the New York Giants. Three years, $42 million. It's a lot of money for a guy that can hit. Remember, he was on the Marlins, faced the Phillies in the playoffs last year. He can hit. Don't get me wrong. He can hit. I don't know what he gives you in the field. He's just a power right-handed bat that, you know, could fit on a team that needs anything. And that's what the Giants need, or that's what it feels like. So it's a lot of money for the guy, but I, I love it. Like, they need juice. The Giants have missed out on everybody in the world over the last couple off seasons. They just need some juice. And Kapler's gone. And I, I think Bob Melvin, the former Padre manager, is there in San Francisco. I, I like the Solaire signing. And he's a guy like, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just the way my brain works and seeing the Giants win a lot. But you put some of these guys in a Giants uniform, and it kind of just works. It does. It's the same thing where it was with the Patriots in football. You put these guys on the Patriots, suddenly they become really good. So maybe that maybe Solaire has a has a really big year in San Francisco. I don't know. But I, I like the signing. I do. So that leaves notable free agents left on the market. Listen to this. It's freaking February 15th as I'm recording this. Pitchers and catchers have reported. And unsigned right now is Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, J.D. Martinez, Tim Anderson, who I didn't even know was a free agent. And here we go. He's still unsigned. I He might not even find a team. And Whit Merrifield, who I want the Phillies to sign. John Morosi tweeted earlier today that he's moving closer to a decision. A source told him, probably Merrifield or his agent. The market has picked up in recent days with five teams showing varying levels of interest. I'm in on Merrifield. I want that to happen. But oh my gosh, look at all these. Bellinger, Chapman, Snell, Montgomery, even those four. And then J.D. Martinez, Anderson, it goes to there are more, obviously. But you're talking about one of the premier hitters, like after the Otani and all that. Bellinger is a premier hitter on the market, asking for top, top dollar. Chapman is kind of over the hill, but, you know, valuable player nonetheless. Snell won the freaking Cy Young last year. And Montgomery was one of the the best pitchers on a team that won it all, won the World Series. And these guys aren't signed yet, which is crazy to me. So, again, I'm not going to do the state of baseball thing. We've kind of talked about that ad nauseum. But the more the days go by, and this relates back, but, you know, this is my thought on it, and it stays. The more the days go by, the better chance the Phillies have at getting one of them. If you want Bellinger, I disagree with you, but objectively, the further these things go, the more likely it is that Philly swoop in, give him a short deal, another kind of half-prove-it deal that's helpful to the team, it's helpful to them, it's not a big, um, it's not a long contract, it's not a, you're not jumping in to 
having to pay him for six, seven years. And then they come in a high-profile market on a high-profile team and prove it again. We see that all the time, especially in the NFL, I feel like. But I, we saw it with, um, with Lucas Giolito, who I think kind of blows. And ever since they've done the spider tack thing and sticky substance, he hasn't been the same. But he goes to Boston on a two-year deal with an out after the first year. It happened with Reese Hoskins, too. Two-year deal, out after the first year. So if they have a really good first year, they get out, they get a long-term contract. I would look for something like that if the market is truly that terrible for Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, whoever. So the more days go by, Phillies fans should be happy. The higher chance the team has at getting one of them. I don't think they need one of them, but that's that. And the other part is the Tim Anderson thing is crazy. I mean, this guy was kind of a premier player two, three years ago, fallen off the face of the earth. The guy went a full calendar year without hitting a home run, which is nuts. Totally nuts. So that is, uh, that's what to monitor in the free agent world. I, I did see, and we'll talk about this next week. The Orioles are getting smashed by injury. So they trade for Corbin Burns and then they get into camp and Kyle Bradish is hurt. And uh, I think Gunnar Henderson is hurt. It's like a lot of these updates on injuries that are really bad for the Orioles in a team that should be way up there and one of the best in the, in the league. And then there's a report that they're interested in Jesus Lazardo, that Miami's still trying to trying to dish him out or maybe going out uh, like a, a James Paxton or a, a Michael Lorenzen, who I think's cooked, but, you know, he'll get signed. So the Orioles kind of need, I mean, given the Bradish thing, they kind of look ahead and they feel like they need more pitching. But they're going all in to win. This spring training does, you do feel like it kind of brings bad news, which is unfortunate. So there you go. All right, it's on the clock. Uh, when we come back, the stupidest thing I saw this week. That's coming up. Don't go anywhere. All right, we close it out. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. We're back at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. All the normal spiel. Uh, WIP and Phillies 24-7 here with the stupidest thing I saw today. The Nationals. And uh, I got to find who put this out there. Uh, Andrew Golden of the Washington Post put this out there. The Nationals have put signs next to where their pitchers are throwing. Next to the TrackMan thing, which... They use in golf, and it's a gives you all the data on spin and all that good stuff. Uh, signs plastered on the fence everywhere that say, I don't care how fast you throw ball for. Apparently, this was, uh, I believe, something from the owner wanted to go down. And this is, I as long as you aren't walking, guys, I guess the message is, don't just throw hard if you don't know where it's going, which, okay, true. I think it does matter how fast you throw ball for. 100%. I think the messaging here is terrible. If you throw ball four at 105, I would much rather you be on the mound than a guy's throwing ball four at 91. Because even if it's a strike, that thing is gone. Trying to urge your pitchers to, to, to lay off actually throwing, it's just a we- it's weird. And it's weird. It's like he's trying to reinvent baseball. But in reality, his team blows his franchise blows. There's no sustained winning. Every good player they've had left. It's just weird. It's a weird thing from a a Nationals franchise that completely stinks. So, all right. There you go. We're back. It's great to be back. Spring training is here. We will. We'll talk on all the storylines 
and update you on the state of the offseason coming up next week. Until then, I'm Ben Kenny. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.